You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny schools. It's not an exaggeration to say that our students are struggling with tough subjects beyond the classroom. The threat of violence can interfere with learning, friendships, and even how they envision themselves and value their future. Mentors in Violence Prevention was introduced this year to address what students are experiencing in their lives to impact how they're performing in the classroom. Ankeny Schools has taken steps to implementing a program designed uh, for students to develop peer mentoring skills around the topic of violence prevention. Today we have on the podcast Ken Morris Jr., Chief Diversity Officer for Ankeny Schools, and Dr. Jill Urich, Principal for Ankeny Centennial High School. We also have with us our inaugural Mentors in Violence Prevention student charter members and student members, Megan and Lucas. Megan is currently a senior and Lucas Lucas is currently a junior. Welcome, Megan and Lucas. Really excited to have you with me today. Thanks for having us. And so um, before I get into the questions, Megan, my question is, uh, what are your post-secondary plans? Um, I am currently not set on anything at okay. the moment, but um, I'm looking into you and I and Iowa State for education. Great. Lucas, what about your post-secondary plans? I'm not too sure either, but I'm thinking uh, Iowa State for a double major in biology and math. Wow. You got some two smart people with us today, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Again, really excited um, to have you. I didn't mean to ignore you, uh, uh, Ken or Dr. Yurik. Welcome, uh, both of you. Glad that you're here. And so, Ken, uh, my, my question, my first question is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, one, what is Mentors um, in Violence uh, Prevention and how did this concept, this program, I don't know what we're calling it, how did it get to um, Ankeny? Sure. So MVP stands for Mentors in Violence Prevention. Um, This is a program that comes out of the Patricia A. Thompson Center for Violence Prevention at the University of Northern Iowa, UNI. Um, The program itself has been around since the 90s. Um, The research from MVP comes from Jackson Katz, Um, And he launched this program um, at Northeastern University in Boston. And since then, um, the model has been used in the military. It's been used um, in police training, um, colleges, universities. Um, And what it is, in essence, is a bystander intervention program um, that equips um, in our in our case, students with skills um, to help um, diffuse situations um, that are based in gender based violence, um, bullying, um, racism, uh, to name a few. So bystander intervention program um, that equips students with leadership skills uh, to help them create the culture um, and the climate, a healthy culture and the climate that is conducive for learning. Um, Adults play a role in this program where they help to train students in leading some of these concepts. Um, And then those students will then go and um, teach these concepts to their peers. um, And then um, they will just hold each other um, accountable 
uh, to you know the standards um, set forth by the school, um, as well as some of the learnings from the MVP curriculum. So I, I remember when I first came into the district in, back in 21, uh, you and I sat down and, and talked about um, your review of the district, some of the data that you know, you've been reviewing, and you, know, you, um, you really talked about the experiences that you have observed um, in, in, our, in our classrooms, in our schools, and then also perspective from principals around what they're seeing from our students. And so when, after we met, we, we came together, I think it was at um, Ankeny um, High School, and so uh, it was you and I, <clears throat> along um, with our principals, our secondary principals, and Jill, you were there. And so, Jill, when we met back in 2021, what was it about MVP that connected with who you are as a leader, um, how you, the, the type of culture that you're wanting to cultivate um, at um, Centennial? As a leader at Centennial, uh, one of my foundational beliefs is that um, our students um, are, they have gifts and they're leaders, and we need to put the conditions in place for them to um, utilize their leadership skills to make an impact on the world around them. And many of them have these gifts and they don't even know they have them, right? They're untapped. And so by building the leadership capacity in our students, they can also bring that out in each other, which gets at the bystander piece and empowerment. It's about empowerment and making an impact on the world. Um, one of the other things that really uh, resonated with me when I heard um, this the overview of MVP um, is the direct connection and alignment that it has with other priorities in our district. So for example, um, when I think about leader and me making its way through our system, um, the, the tenants of MVP directly align with the habit, Covey's seven habits of highly effective people, because um, that's all based on empowering students and developing student leadership. And then for us at Centennial, there's a direct alignment to the Jaguar Creed, which was developed by students when Centennial opened 10 years ago. And so when you say empowerment, what does that mean in how our students conduct themselves um, at home? Um, what does that mean uh, when they're in the classroom and interacting in different school activities uh, to you? For our students, um, they're young adults. When they're in this building, they're young adults. And well, when they're out of this building, they're young adults. And I think um, how, uh, how they believe and their self-concept around being young adults is on us and how we treat them. And so um, part of that is by listening, right? Listening to um, our students um, and their experiences. Um, it's also about um, valuing each student for who they are. Um, I don't expect every student to walk in this building and um, I, I don't want all of them to act like each other and like the same things. Um, this is about celebrating differences and living in unity. Mm -hmm. and, and, and really, that's the empowerment piece is celebrating every individual and yet exhibiting behaviors that demonstrate unity and caring for one another. So, Ken, part of the empowerment that uh, Jill just you know, talked about, 
I remember you also talking about this idea of advocacy. And so when we think about empowerment, how is that aligned with how we want students to not only advocate for themselves, but then also advocate for their peers? Absolutely. One one consistent theme that I have heard from current students, I've heard from alumni, um, is uh, about uh, some of the uh, experiences that they uh, they've had, um, you know, that weren't um, you know as as uh, desirable, or, or they didn't reflect, um, you know, what we hope and expect from um, our students. And um, you know, one thing that they either talked about, if I know now. You know what I know now. Back then, you know, I would have spoke up. I would have said something. And so that advocacy goes further than just being able to advocate for yourself. But how do you then advocate for a peer, a fellow student, whether you know them or not? I think we've all had times in our experiences in our throughout our lives where we felt like we didn't belong, or we felt like um, we were uh, mistreated. We that didn't feel good. And so, you know, when I think of, you know, advocacy is that if I see someone um, being talked about or, you know, they're being roasted or, you know, and, 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 and it's not in a good way. Right. Um, you know, you know, I know what that's like. So, you know, do I just stand idly by and let it let it happen? Um, you know, do I intervene or do I use some of the resources at my disposal? So we have this tips program. So if I'm not confident in my own personal skill set to intervene when um, students are mistreating another student, maybe I can contact an adult. Maybe I can use the, the tips, you know, resources. Maybe I can circle back and check on that student, see if they need help. So, you know, we want to equip you know, our students with skills to be able to not only advocate and look out for themselves, but think about put yourself in that position of that person that's being picked on or uh, mistreated. And, and, and that doesn't align with the culture that we want for ourselves, the culture that we want for our um, siblings, for our peers. And so how do we use, um, you know, that uh, to, to, to put us into action, you know, through that empathy, being able to, you know, feel on behalf of another person um, and, and, you know, be able to show some support um, and assistance um, in a way that um, helps them feel um, connected and helps them feel um, like they belong and they matter. Right. Right. And so, Jill, you have something to add? Yes. I, just as Ken was talking about um, empathy and uh, it just connected me to the power of student voice. Right. And um, people don't know what they don't know. And MVP is opening up safe space for us to engage in real conversations about what our students are experiencing. Um, and um, so it's it's about empowering them, and then through that empowerment, um, they're developing empathy for one another's experiences, and we're able to remove barriers for people in that way. Th thank you both, and 
what I want our listeners to understand with regards to empowerment and advocacy is, we, we, in addition to um, us wanting students to advocate for themselves academically, we also want um, our students to advocate for themselves emotionally and, and socially. And so if we, we see students being bullied, if we see students being abused, if we see um, our, our peers being talked about, you know, we have to give them the skills um, and mechanism to advocate for their peer and themselves um, in a safe environment um, throughout our entire district. So you just were speaking my language because um, we ta- obviously academic preparation is foundational to the work we do. Um, MVP is also about post-secondary planning for students. When we think about the term post-secondary readiness um, and preparing our students for life after high school, uh, the conversations we're having um, that are connected to MVP when we talk about violence prevention, uh, our students, um, once they cross that graduation stage and they are off on their own, um, they're going to find themselves in college parties, in bars, in the workplace, mm-hmm. and um, where people are mistreating people, people are abusing people on different levels, um, and violating people. And, and we need to equip our students with the skills to be able to advocate for themselves and advocate for other people. And so Megan and Lucas, again, really happy that you're here um, with me today. And so once Dr. Yurik came back to the school, she gave students and families information about MVP. She met with students to explain what it was. What was it about MVP, Megan? I'll start with Megan first. What was it about MVP that connected with you and you know what you're wanting from your, your school experience? Yeah, um, I feel like my high school experience has been very unique, like outside of, you know, what you see in movies as far as like clicky and, you know, just typical high school, which I was really excited about. Um, Growing up, I think a huge part of like my whole childhood was just inclusion and like being kind to people. I have a brother on the autism spectrum, so every single moment that I had in my childhood, I just kept going back to like, what's his experience going to be like? Because I'm totally functioning. I have like all these resources at my hands. And then I look back and I'm like, well, he doesn't. So I feel like MVP and even like the other programs we have at Centennial, like People PE, which is an adaptive PE class. And those kind of like scenarios have taught me more about like who I am as a person and who we are as like a school district more than anything my teachers have taught me. And so Like, even though this is against, like, violence and, you know, like, building good habits in people and deciphering what's good and bad, it's more about, like, how do we cultivate an environment of, like, good people? Because no matter what clique you come from, like, you can always still be a good person. Absolutely. Lucas, what connected uh, with you when, when you heard about MVP? I think for me it's something similar to Megan. I have a little sister. She's in the grade below me. And uh, I know when she was growing up, she dealt with a lot of bullying and um, it really wasn't good for her. And I was there with her as she experienced that. And so when it came to MVP, when I first heard about it, I thought it would be this opportunity for me to help others with the limited amount of power I have 
as a student, which also gives me a lot of power in the same sense, that I could help the other people around me and help my little sister not to experience things like that anymore. Absolutely. And so, one, one, thank you for uh, sharing and thank you for saying yes to being part of MVP. But let's take it a step further. Not only are you inaugural members of MVP, you're you're actually student uh, mentors. And so talk to me about what it means to you to be a student mentor um, in this first year of MVP, Megan. Yeah, um, with the program being so new, um, I feel like a lot of us just kind of stepped into the room and it was strange at first because we had no clue. You know, when you first think of MVP, you usually think of like most valuable player and Dotson and Steinkamp like picked out their list and I'm just so grateful to have the experience. But learning more about it, it's more truly about just bringing awareness to the situation. I feel like a lot of students who weren't picked as mentors um, felt a little bit targeted by like having these mentors come in and tell them basically like, you should do this, but in actuality, it's more about just bringing awareness to the situation rather than saying, oh, oh, hold on, I'll take a step back. <laughs> um, one of our like biggest like game or interactive like pieces of it is agree, disagree, or unsure. Right. And so it literally is separating students within the room saying like, I agree with this statement, whether it's from sexual harassment to bullying, or I very much disagree with this, or I'm not sure. And so, whatever side of the room the students may be on, um, our job as mentors is not to say like, if you disagree with that, then we are forming a bias against you and that we don't like you because of that. It's just to say like, interesting point of view, like, can you expand on that? Can you tell us why that might be? Like, what experience has have you had to make you disagree or agree with that statement? And then just kind of build a little bit perspective within just that classroom. And then those scenarios don't leave that classroom. Yeah, Lucas, um, what, what made you want to be a student mentor? Um, I think when it comes to it, when I first got that email, uh, partially it was the, this is going to look great on a resume. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but Absolutely. it was also just, it's a new opportunity, and it's going to bridge so many gaps just between students. Like Megan was talking about the agree, disagree, unsure. While we're physically creating those spaces, we are emotionally and socially breaking them down. Mm -hmm. Through those conversations, we're going to build uh, connections between students. And I think that's really why I joined, because those connections are so inspiring. They're so helpful to all, a wide variety of students, every student. And that knowledge and the ability to help people make those connections is the reason why I became a mentor. And so I have children your age, and so it's been a while since I've been a senior in high school and a junior in high school. And so um, for parents, you know, my age or, you know, a little bit younger, you know, what are those pressure points that, you know, parents may not be aware of that students are experiencing now? Um, so, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was in high school, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the internet. So therefore, we didn't have social media. Um, it was uh, paper and pencil <laughs> when I was in high school. You know, and, tell, and you actually had to use a landline to call someone to talk to them. And so um, different types of pressure points when I was in high school. And so 
for parents now, what are those pressure points um, that are causing stress to students and outside of academics that we just need to be aware of and pay more uh, attention to? I would say just reinforcing the fact that anyone can be a good person, no matter their background. Um, I see a lot of Centennial students who are good people and who truly like make a difference every single day just by saying hi to someone in the hallways or giving someone a smile when you see them passing. But I also see a large portion of Centennial and I'm part of Teachers Academy too. So I get to go to travel in other schools and Mm -hmm. you can definitely see like who has been raised by parents who reinforce with like good behaviors and reinforce with, you know, like good habits. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that any parent is a bad parent because parenting is one of the hardest challenges in life. Mm -hmm. But just making sure that you reinforce like, oh, I'm going to say hi to someone at the grocery store or I'm going to say thank you to our cashier at the grocery store. I mean, I'm using a lot of grocery store anecdotes, (laughs) but like just showing an example for your students because it really is very simple things that we can all do to make a difference. Lucas, you know, in your experience in high school so far and maybe in middle school, you know, what are those um, what are those things that um, a teenager experiences that might cause stress that parents may not be aware of? We talk a lot about social media and how that can bring stress. Um, and I know in at least one recent situation I've been in, social media gets around really quick, mm-hmm. even if it's posted on a private story or something else. And even though students may think this is private, completely secure, it moves fast. And students kind of can see that with how it goes um, socially with rumors and um, bullying and teasing. And with the new aspect of social media being added to problems that were already existing, um, we see like a rise of an entirely new set of problems that parents may not understand because they don't see how social media affects schools because they're not in school anymore. Right. And so you mentioned bullying. And again, using myself as an example, bullying when I was your age, I sound like an old guy, um, <laughs> bullying when I was your age just looked different than it does now. And so, Dr. Urich, you know, in, 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 in your current role as principal at Centennial, you know, what are those forms of bullying that, you're seeing and and having to address um, with students and with parents. Yeah, um, as as I was listening, um, I kept thinking of um, the microaggressions that I hear about, the the racism that I hear about, the homophobia that I hear about. Um, And again, I think think sometimes people don't know what they don't know. They don't realize uh, words matter. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people are coming at it their intent might not be as negative as it's being received, which is why we need to have the space for these students to have the conversations mm-hmm. of when you say this or when you do that, it's very insulting and hurtful. Right. And, and I think we've, we have to provide that space. In fact, um, just made me think when we rolled out this communication in the fall that we were doing this, I actually heard from a number of parents saying, 
thank you for providing this space in school for the, our students to have this conversation. Right. And so, Ken, in, in, in your role as um, our, our chief diversity, diversity officer, you know, we we talked a lot about safe spaces, um, the experiences of our students, and so when you hear um, s s um, school safety um, and being safe in school, you know, what, what does that mean to you and you know, how can we um, in the education field do a better job of supporting our students who may not feel safe? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Excuse me. <clears throat> safety has evolved, right? Where, and we're the same vintage. So right. when you know, we were in school, um, safety usually meant a couple of security guards, maybe a security para, physical presence. Um, it's evolved. And that's not to say that those the 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 type of um, safety concerns didn't exist then, but now that we know better, we can do better as a society. We know more. So, in addition to physical safety, there's psychological safety. Um, there's mental safety. I mean, we're we're learning from our students, um, especially from like the conditions of learning report throughout the state, um, not only just in our community, but communities across Iowa, students don't feel emotionally safe. Mm -hmm. They don't feel psychologically safe. Um, and that's due to a number, you know, of things. And I, and I think that, you know, we have more resources available, <clears throat> excuse me, for mental health. Um, you know, we have, we're more attuned to, making certain that um, we know the power of human connection. We know the power of belonging. So we really want to make certain that um, students can identify with at least, you know, one, you know, trusted adult in the building to help increase that sense of um, safety. Um, you know, our students are going through um, a lot, um, whether it's how they may identify um, you know, racially, ethnically, and maybe not see themselves reflected. Um, you know, we have students that are on the spectrum, as, as, as you mentioned. Um, you know, we have students who um, are, are, you know, coming to terms with how they just identify even within their own sexual orientation. And, you know, there's, and, 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 and so we have all these things going on, and then that's multiplied with, um, you know, the pressures of social media um, because that's a new frontier. You know, we, right. we didn't have that when we grew up. So we're still learning um, and we're still learning about the, the impact that it could have on students. And these scholars, I mean, they're kind of beta testing, you know, because, you know, some of the things that exist for them, you know, as, as parents now didn't exist for us. Right. So, right. <laughs> excuse me. So, you know, and again, and I, I don't want to minimize it. Um, but it there there's such a increased need, um, you know, for for safety. That's then, you know, I think once you know students and even adults feel like um, they have a, a sense of you know um, stability in their learning environment. Um, they know that their needs are going to be met, um, and 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 they know that. Um, they're not, uh, uh, you know, that that they're, you know, um, there's been measures and 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 there's been um, uh, uh, supports put in place to minimize 
um, you know, fear from the outside or, or some of these other aspects of, of, of fear and safety that I talked about, I think that then will help uh, students especially, um, you know, lean into, you know, their learning environment, um, you know, knowing that, you know, some of um, these things, these external factors that can impact um, their learning, um, you know, have been taken care of or, or, or minimized or they know where they can go to get help. And, you know, that helps them to, um, you know, clear a path to pursue whatever, you know, um, interest that they have um, unimpeded by, you know, the unknown or, or, or that, that, you know, that, that, you know, as we talked about, you know, all those ways in which someone um, cannot feel safe. Uh, so, you know, th- those are some things that, that come to mind when I think about safety. Thank you. We can, we, we can probably talk on and on about um, our, our students and them feeling safe and ensuring that we have an, uh, an appropriate environment for them to, to learn in. Uh, but, uh, Lucas, I want to turn the focus to you. And so we've already talked about you saying yes to MVP and then you um, taking on the challenge of being a – uh, student mentor, mm-hmm. what has the training looked like um, leading up to um, working with your peers as a student mentor? So I first got the uh, the first email about MVP in July, and we met over the summer on some Sunday in August, I think. Uh, we met for a few hours um, here at Centennial, and we talked about what the program was. And then we went through some of the examples of like topics and activities that we could do um, in our own like mentor training students. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, once we got like a good handle on what the program was, some topics that we were going to cover and possible ways to cover them, we started meeting um, during seminar uh, over during school, like once the school year started. And that's like a 20, 26 minute uh, period where uh, we would all meet in the auditorium and start discussing topics, start discussing now that we know what we want to talk about, how are we going to take that to our students? Mm -hmm. Uh, And from there, we did our first topic, which was an introduction just to introduce MVP to our students. And... I can't remember if we did another one first or if we went to DMAC first. Um, DMAC first. So we went to a <laughs> training at DMAC with a bunch of other schools from across Iowa where we got to talk about what MVP means in our different schools and take some specialized training about some other, like a wide variety of topics. And then we had our um, second meeting with students where we did the agree, disagree, unsure category for um, sexual harassment. And I think that's everything that we've done. We've done quite a a bit so far, yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. And so um, as we've been talking, Lucas, I'm I'm observing you take notes. Is there anything that um, you wanted to get out there in your notes that um, we haven't touched on? Um, I think I wanted to follow up with one of Ken's comments about microaggressions. Um, I'm a like gender queer student, and so I see a lot of different sides to how microaggressions work in our school. Um, I don't see the racial aspect, but I do see the offhanded comments about 
people's bodies, um, sexuality, and how it can affect other people. Uh, that's kind of one of the things that I've been seeing, and I personally, it's been hard on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to just kind of throw that out there as another thing that we as students are experiencing. I really appreciate you sharing that. And how do you think that the, the training that you've gone through with what you're observing, how has that equipped you to deal with that? Um, and, and when I say deal with that, but you know, advocate for what mm-hmm. you're seeing um, so that it doesn't happen um, in our schools. Yeah, so with some of the training, we've learned how to facilitate conversations between large groups of people, but also one-on-one. That training has helped me to have conversations with my peers about uh, why what they said wasn't okay. And I think that's one of the things Dr. Uh, Yurik mentioned about what we want to be able to do um, eventually. And this training really has helped me get to that point where it's gotten me to be able to start conversations with others and talk to them about what they said and how it can hurt people and how they might not see it that way yet. Um, But how those small offhand comments do really affect others. Thank you. Um, Megan, um, with regards to... I'm saying yes to, to being a mentor. How has the training impacted you, and, and what have you taken from the training so far? Yeah, I was kind of the second round of training, so I felt like I, it was in October, okay. early of the year, the school year, and um, it was kind of like, oh shoot, we don't have enough mentors. Let's let's find some more people, <laughs> and so like that didn't discourage me at all. We basically did a shortened training from what they did in the summer because. You know, you do it once and then you learn from it and do it better. And so um, our training included kind of like what the lessons are going to look like while we're at school with the agree, disagree, unsure. And we got kind of a taste of like what topics we would be touching on. But really, it was more of focused on like, are you even interested in doing this? Are you comfortable with these topics? And I think that for the most part, the people in the room um, who they picked were kind of more of the... I don't want to say popular because that just seems, I don't know, (laughs) like clicky. Right. But it was a lot of athletes and a lot of students who are really involved. And I think that that was really strategic of them to say, let's get these like star basketball players. Let's get people in show choir. Let's, you know, find all these groups and clubs and kind of unite them in this common setting and help them facilitate those, which I've just like Lucas, I've had many instances where I've said like, hey, do you realize that that's not okay?" I mean, we talked about social media earlier, but if you think that something's funny or you think that, you know, posting something is going to get a reaction out of your friends saying like, oh, this is this is really funny. Like this is one of our students who, you know, people might typically pick on or even if they don't pick on maybe if it's one of your own friends like posting something funny might not always be funny for everyone right and so I've been able with the program and with like the training that we've done to say like do you realize what like you posted and how that's relating back to someone else's life because if you got posted in that same scenario I think you would be pretty upset too and so not to say that like those students are wrong for you know, expressing themselves, but just making them realize how big their actions truly are. Thank you. Dr. Yurik, 
how has the MVP training imp- impacted you and your leadership? <laughs> oh, oh, I, I am humbled by the students in this building, but the students who have committed to serving in this leadership role. Um, I, I keep thinking of a phrase that I learned from Ken this past year, and it has literally been my mantra this year, and it's connection over perfection. And we, um, our district is a high-performing district, and we are not perfect. We have, we have a lot of work to do for people to feel emotionally safe. And um, when I think of w- one of the things I found so inspiring is uh, when our students who uh, agreed to be mentors uh, submitted their commitment forms, they, one of the questions was, you know, what's your why? Why, why do you want to serve in this capacity? And it was very emotional to read um, all of, emotional and inspiring to read um, their reasons because um, it ranged from, I am a victim in this environment. I have been, I've, I've been treated poorly um, with hate and I want to be a part of the solution and I want to make things better. All the way to the other end of, I've witnessed it happening or um, I, the, the culture in this building is important to me and I want to make sure that every student has a positive experience. So our, our students are all in. And so for me, um, I get to be the principal that works with them every day. I mean, truly that it's a privilege. Um, and I know we have a lot of work to do, but I'm surrounded by students who are committed to it, right? They're, they're all in. Yeah. And so, um, Megan and Lucas have shared a lot about their experience, um, and this is questions for Dr. Urich again. And so, when you th- uh, and they've shared, you know, their role mm-hmm. in MVP, and I'm sure some of our listeners may be thinking, what's the role of uh, the adults and staff here uh, here at Centennial? So, can you explain to our listeners what um, the staff's role um, sure. with MVP is during the school year? Yes. So uh, our role is to get out of their way, (laughs) give them what they need and get out of their way. Mm -hmm. Um, No, we uh, when they are in when our mentors are in the the classes um, facilitating these lessons, um, our teachers role is really just to participate. So they don't drive it. Um, it, the, our mentors come in and they run the show. Um, and, um, we, we ask the teachers just to participate. Right. And, and, you know, engage in the conversation. Sometimes the conversations need maybe some, a little push to, to get going or something. Um, and so our staff, they're learning too, because some of them are very comfortable in that space and some, are unsure, like they feel like they need to be doing more. And so just really giving them permission to know you don't have to, like this is about student leadership at this point. Um, and then I would say another role when I think of the adults, um, we have a number of staff members who were trained on this last summer. Um, and um, so they're the MVP leadership team. And uh, so we, well, we just met all morning um, to do some strategic planning. And um, so we, we need to make sure we have the conditions in place, like that we plan um, training for our students. For example, we have a leadership retreat coming up for our MVP mentors on February 9th for the full day. Wow. So we were planning, actually, you're giving our opening. You're one of our speakers over lunch. Um, but we're, we're planning um, some leadership development. We're planning, uh, we have a session on facilitation training, right? So when you're in 
a classroom and what's what are some facilitation skills. We're also going to give them time um, to give us feedback as well as prepare for upcoming lessons. Um, and we're developing... Well, this is the mentor part. We're uh, a, an MVP mentor advisory council where some of our mentors will serve as leaders for our, um, all of our mentors. Wow. And so with any new program, you know, we have growing pains, right? And so with this being in our first year, what can we look forward to in year two yeah. implementation of MVP? So this year uh, when we started, we – intentionally started with 10th and 11th grade um, because we, we thought we're, we're starting slow and so we want to be very intentional knowing um, we'll do 10th and 11th grade this year, although including some mentors from 12th grade like Megan. Um, then next year, it'll be building-wide. We'll have 10th, 11th, and 12th graders um, involved. Our entire building will be involved with MVP. Um, with Northview, I'm just now embarking on this work. They're in the process of identifying some ninth grade mentors. And so we're already talking about, okay, how can we spend some time with them this summer um, so that when they come in, they can be 10th grade MVP mentors. We'll bring on more. Um, we are, our goal is to, um, we just, we just calculated this number today, which is why I know it. Um, our goal is we want to have at least 200 student MVP mentors because okay. um, right now we have enough where we have um, half of our advisories involved in MVP lessons on one week, and then we capture the other half of the advisories the opposite week um, so that our MVP mentors can double up and be together because we're all learning together. So we want them to, bar to partner when they're facilitating. Our goal is that every single advisory is having MVP lessons at the exact same time. And so that we we can all walk out of there with new, new learning, new language, common language. Um, I think that will make a big impact on our culture. That's great. And so Megan and Lucas, you're going to get the final word. Okay. And so <clears throat> Megan, uh, since she, she's a senior, Lucas, I'm going to let her go first. Okay. <laughs> and so for our parents out there or for students, you're going to give us, you're going to advertise MVP and uh, let our listeners know, our parents know why they should encourage their children to become part of MB MVP um, and or become an MVP mentor. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've talked a lot about this like in our mentor training, but MVP at the moment in its first year is just all about the buzz. Like we want students to be talking about it, e positive or negative, and just saying like, oh my gosh, did you hear about that lesson? Like that's so true. Or like, eh, I don't really agree with that. And just like starting the conversations with those, good or bad, um, is really important. And for parents, I mean, if you can open up that conversation to your students and just say, hey, what do you think about this? Have you experienced this? Because there's a lot of topics that are applicable to everyone. And there are some topics that aren't applicable to a very minority of us. And so if parents are more open to those conversations and allow their students to be open to those conversations, I think that as mentors, it would make our job a little bit easier, but obviously it's never going to be easy when you're talking about those big subjects. Lucas, why should a parent encourage their their child to become part of MVP next year? 
MVP comes out of a place of love. It is a program that is designed to build connection, peace, and love in our schools. In order to do that, we have to be all in. We have to work together to grow that culture of care uh, for each other. And by encouraging MVP, we start our first steps in that direction. And it does help us mentors, but it also is going to help parents at home with their own students and their own kids. As we grow a culture of care for everyone, we all rise together. I think that was a mic drop. You know, so thank you, Megan and Lucas. Uh, thank you all for your commitment and work you're putting into the Mentors in Violence Prevention Program at Centennial High School. Parents, listeners, if you would like to know more about MVP at Ankeny Schools, visit our website at ankenyschools.org. Then navigate to our district tab and click on Mentors in Violence Prevention. Megan, Lucas, Dr. Urich, Mr. Ken Morris Jr., thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for joining us, and that's uh, to all of our guests. Stay tuned for our next episode of Let's Talk About It. We are Ankeny. Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast, the official podcast of Ankeny Community Schools. 